بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم نحمده ونصلي على رسوله الكريم أما بعد we express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala and we seek blessings upon the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Alrighty, so we have looked at the first two commands of, of the Quran and now we're going to shift gears just a little bit. And, and I'll keep asking this question over and over again so is to the point that you should be able to answer it as a reflex. When we start from page one, what is the first command? Anyone? Uh, people of uh, people of all humanity or mankind worship God. Yeah, so be the abd of your rub. Second command. Uh, do not. No partners. Yeah, yeah do, not do, not rivals, exactly. do not make rivals. Exactly. Rivals to a Rivals. Yeah, knowingly. Okay. Are you taking how many classes with me? Okay. <laughs> That's why you're back. So anyway. Thanks. So, so good to have you back. So now we have. The question of well, if those commands are for all of humanity, uh, if I'm Muslim, then sure, that's easy. I will try to fulfill those. But what if I am not? And that gets into the question of doubt. So, if you are in doubt about what we have revealed to our servant, then bring a surah similar to this and call your supporters other than Allah. If what you are saying is true, in kuntum sadiqin. Okay, so first and foremost, is it okay for a Muslim to have doubt? What's the answer to that question? Yes. Yes? Okay. Why? Why would you say it's okay? Uh, doubt about uh, what? Like Allah, uh, the Prophet, the Quran, peace be upon him. Um, Islam itself. I believe it's more like a, a self-doubt sometimes yeah. in your phase of life, right? That comes yeah. while yeah. even you are doing, even you are praying, but uh, sometimes you get a little bit uh, stingy, maybe, or you get a little bit uh, annoyed that why things are not happening, okay, and that may create a little bit self-doubt. Okay, sure, sure. So is that okay? Especially considering, and this is not just performance for everyone, uh, especially considering the very second line of this surah says, this is the book that has no doubt. Is it okay? Is it acceptable to have doubt? So Asha saying we were made imperfect. Is that natural? Okay. All right. Well, uh, one may not be acceptable. Uh, we'll see if I can ask you to explain that further. Yes, um, I'm saying you may have doubts, but I think I think uh, we keep going back to this uh, the hadith of the Prophet which you have mentioned about Islam, Iman, and Ihsan. So it depends on what level you are at in terms of believing in Allah and His message. Mm -hmm. So uh, in the beginning, you may have doubts, you have concerns, you have questions, but I think the, the ultimate goal is to get to the point where you do not have any doubts. Okay, I mean, that's the and goal, again, I, I think as far as the belief concerns are there, we should believe and have faith in Allah and it's, you know, the articles of faith. Okay, should, yeah. Uh, Iqbal. Yeah, so, so doubt which leads to, uh, 
to clarify the, the confusion and to rectify it and hence always ask for the right you know answers so that okay. that's okay okay all right so if the doubt is leading you to search for how to get rid of the doubt that's okay all right uh let me ask the 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 youngsters here uh hania aiza afnan uh, among your peers, if I were to ask you to throw out a percentage among your Muslim peers, how many of them would you guess have doubts? And we're talking about doubts about anything related to Islam, Allah, the Prophet, peace be upon Give me uh, a percentage. And it can be purely speculation. I'm not saying more than 50%. So we're talking about undergrads probably have doubts. That's a precise number, honey, 68. <laughs> so but still... 68%, more than two out of three Muslims are, uh, uh, have, have doubt. Isaac, you want to throw out a number two? Meanwhile, I'm pulling up this screen. Okay, so so hopefully you can see the uh, the ayah again. <clears throat> I mean, what is the proof that it's okay and possible to have doubts? The fact that Allah Ta'ala is telling you, all right, if you have a doubt, if you have doubts, then here's what you need to do. So it's not saying if you have doubts, you're doomed. Here's the prescription. So one point to think about as we go through ayah 23 today is we often misunderstand this ayah. We often read this ayah as though this is a challenge to the world. Come up with a surah that can, or come up with anything that can compete with the Quran. That is not what this ayah is saying, not even remotely. It is literally saying, if you are in doubt, if doubt is your condition, and if you're honest, if that is truly your condition, about what we have revealed to our servant, meaning if you have doubt about the Quran, which then means you have doubt about Allah, you have doubt about the Prophet, you have doubt about Islam, any of those, all of those, then your prescription is to do the following. And so let's write it out so it makes more sense. And so this ayah is not a challenge to the world. This ayah is a treatment, is a prescription for doubt. Now, there are other ayahs that are challenges to humanity. Those you will find in Surah Hud. Come up even with an ayah that can compete with the Quran. Now, what does it also mean? If I have doubt and I don't do this prescription, the doubt is going to remain. So we've talked about a couple of metaphors. One, we said that anger is like what? So uh, uh, I was saying 70% of undergrads, so even higher than, than Hania's uh, circles and uh, higher than Afnan's circles. And by circles, I mean, um, you know, like her age group generation and such. So yes, uh, Jewel, anger is like fire and it tries to burn everything out just to stay alive until there's nothing left. And you'll see this in a lot of people who have these hot tempers. They'll get angrier and angrier and then eventually they'll reach a point where it's like suddenly they've cooled off because there's nothing left to burn. 
And then gratitude is like water. And so it douses out the, uh, the, uh, the anger. Of course, the anger can be more stronger than the water. And the water, the fire can make the water evaporate. And then so we said, uh, anger is like fire. Gratitude is like water. And then what is fear like? Fear is like lightning. And the point here is that if I fear death, I'm going to irrationally fear all kinds of other things to the point that it's not even going to make immediate sense. In the way a lightning bolt, you know, you see it going left and then right and then left and then right and then right in all kinds of directions before it hits the ground. Doubt is like uh, doubt to your faith. Imagine your faith is a beautiful mansion. And doubt is a leak in one of the pipes. And so what do we do when there's a leak in a pipe? Uh, either you address it right away or what happens? You let it leak and you let it leak and you let it leak thinking, yeah, I'll get to this. It's only a couple drops and the pipe might burst or as the water is seeping into the stone, into the brick, into the grout, into the wood, eventually doubt is going to make the whole mansion collapse. That is the nature of doubt. So if you have doubt, this is the prescription for how to treat doubt. So if you have doubt, then, so if the condition is doubt, so this is a conditional command. The previous two commands were unconditional. This is a conditional command. Then. Step one, produce a sura like it, and we'll talk about that in a second, to bring witnesses to, to who agree. And not Allah, you can't use Allah as a witness. If you have doubts, so first, when we're saying produce a surah, surah, think of surah here. We haven't actually talked about the vocabulary of the Quran, so let's talk about that uh, really briefly. So what are the two big terms of the Quran? You have ayah and surah. And so ayah commonly is verse, surah is commonly chapter. But what is ayah actually? Anyone, what does the ayah actually mean? Easy question. For those of you who know a little bit. A miracle. A sign. So sign, and it often gets associated with miracle. Okay, so a sign or a symbol. Surah. What does surah mean? We all know ayah means sign. Anybody know what surah means? So surah comes from sur. And what is sur? That if you have an old city... And even if you go to Jerusalem today, an old city will have a wall around it. Oh, uh, Jewel, that's a, a different, uh, that's not, um, uh, that's a, a different letter, Sur. Uh, but old Jerusalem will have a wall around it. And that wall 
is called sur. And, and so, so sura is basically speaking of a walled content. And so we would sometimes translate it as a city of knowledge or in easiest language, fortification, yeah, that works. Or I would just say like a discourse. And so the point is that when you have a, uh, a, a chapter, if you take the chapters out of order, you lose something in the, in the book. But the Quran, you can put the suras in all kinds of different order and derive new meanings. And so, so that's surah. And, and so when we're being prescribed, bring a surah like it, a surah could be, sort of speak, a chapter, uh, but the easiest way to think of it is bring your own discourse. And like it can be referring either to al-Baqarah, but more commonly it's understood to mean the Quran itself. The surah here could mean to make any such claims as made by Allah. Uh, uh, we'll see if I need to explain that point further. If you're in mute, to say no. Okay. Yeah, I was just wondering, uh, so it could just literally mean surah to reproduce any such passage or a claim. But I was just wondering that uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mentioning that I am the Rub and I am the Lord because mm -hmm. that I have created you and then I have created such and such things for you. And that's why I'm claiming to be your Rub. And that's why you should worship me. Okay, keep going. So if there is anybody else that who claims to have created the whole universe or send down the rains mm -hmm. from the sky and bring out the fruit from the, uh, you know, mm -hmm. uh, the land. So, that's why I was thinking. Hmm. So that, and maybe I misunderstand, but that doesn't sound like doubt. That sounds like someone with a counterclaim. Right. And, and so imagine an evangelical Christian who wants to disprove the Quran. It would be sort of like that. And so when we're speaking of doubt here, what is implied is that the person wants to have faith. Okay. Uh, does it make sense? Yeah. 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 But Thanks. then the other ayahs that we have, like in Surah Hud, where it's it's challenging the kafirs, you know, the people who are rejecting faith, it's saying, okay, if you don't believe, then you come up with something as good. Yeah. And so the instruction is is, is very much the, uh, uh, very similar, if not identical, but here it's a prescription for doubt. As opposed to in other place, uh, places, it's an open challenge. All right, you think that the that this is wrong, or you have a counterclaim? Come up with something. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to take the easiest version of this, which is to produce a surah that can compete with the Quran. Okay. So now, what is this effectively saying? It's basically saying use your full intelligence use all your brain power plus anything you can find of human history 
any other book, any other scripture, or write your own. And see how close you can come to the Quran. Now, at the time of the Prophet, peace be upon him, part of the challenge was basically to come up with something that is as poetic and as beautiful as the Quran. Today, for a believer who has doubt, that's going to be beyond their capability. Right? I'm guessing most of the people in this class are probably not fluent in Arabic, so you may not be able to appreciate the, the Arabic beauty uh, of, of the Quran. So, so then, so one way is, is looking at the linguistic beauty. More is what makes more sense in terms of its depiction of how reality works. So take everything and see which makes more sense. Not for you having to defend it to someone else, but you in your own self, which makes the most sense. And, and so, so the point here is that if someone has doubt, they have to go through this process. And then what's going to happen if we go back to the ayah? And then look at the next ayah, because that is misread as much as this ayah. Oops, sorry. Okay, so I don't know if you all heard that. I actually pressed the button. Okay. So uh, if you do not, or if you cannot, and then the Quran says you're not going to be able to, then have taqwa. So the Quran is even telling you, you're not going to be able to come up with something. But you still have to try. That is how you're going to cure your doubt. Meaning, no one is going to be able to read all the books of human history and compare them with the Quran. But what will happen is you will go through and you're getting to know the Quran better because you have to know if they can compare. And then you're reading everything, the Bible, the Torah, you know, the, the Gita, the, you know, the, the various East Asian books, the African books, the South American books, the books of philosophy and such. And you're going to, if your goal is to cure your doubt, you're going to reach a point where your heart is satisfied. Because what is doubt? Doubt here in this context is dissatisfaction of the heart. But it's a type of dissatisfaction that is that requires you to actually see something with your own eyes. And I've seen the opposite happen. You know, I've had students who've come to me and said, okay, I'm struggling with doubt. What do I do? And I said, okay, here's what you need to do. You need to get through, you need to know the Quran better and then go see if you can find anything that can compete with it. And I'm thinking of specific cases of students where they start rolling their eyes saying, I don't want to do that. And one case of a student, the doubt eventually um, overtook and wiped out their faith. Uh, and Shahir, I'm going to get exactly to that example in a moment, inshallah. So can you clarify again why the ayat says produce a sewer like it instead of like these? So like it, the question is, mithlihi, what is the he referring to? He is most likely referring to the Quran. 
uh, as opposed to the surah, and there I'm just talking about basic Arabic grammar. And and if, if not, let me know if that makes sense. Yes, thank you. Okay. So, uh, Iqbal. So, so those criteria that it's it's putting, so those people are non-Arab, then they are automatically disqualified for this challenge. Then look like. If if the if someone has the capability of actually looking at the linguistic quality, so let me let me explain it this way. At the time of the Prophet, peace be upon him, <clears throat> what are the different reasons that people were amazed by by uh, by Islam? One is, of course, the Prophet himself, and then for some, for like the servants, the slaves, it was because of the message, and as you know, for some, it was the astounding beauty of the Quran. For a nation. Yes, exactly. As a, for a nation that already had very, very strong poetry, if any of you ever read pre-Islamic poetry, some of that stuff is very, very potent. It's actually uh, astonishingly powerful. And, and, and so then the Quran is coming along, you know, leaps and bounds above their poetry to the point, I forgot which surah it is, that they posted inside the Kaaba and they wrote, could not have been written by a human, right? It, it was entered into a competition. And, and so if, if I don't have even, let's say even I'm an Arab, you know, fluent in Arabic, but I don't have any appreciation for Arabic literature. Let's say I'm an engineer, you know, no criticism for engineers and stuff. Uh, or let's say, you know, uh, you know, I'm not in the arts. Um, and so those things don't appeal to me. So then what am I going to rely upon? And so that aspect of the challenge is, I think, for, for a limited number of people, or I see even I just call it a challenge. That aspect of the prescription is for a limited number of people. For all the rest of us, what is the, the actual prescription? It's to, it's to see, can you find something as comprehensive that makes as much sense? In modern context, we can say you have to study everything. Pretty yeah, much. As, as much as you can and see what makes the most sense yeah. in being as comprehensive, meaning all-encompassing and having depth. What you find in a lot of modern books is that the core idea might be really great. Like if you read a self-help book, a self-help book might have a fantastic core idea, but it's just like one idea. Or a lot of the modern books will have a fantastic first few chapters and then it gets very shallow after that. You know, even... Uh, uh, Scientology, which is often the butt of many jokes, this is like the this religion you find in Hollywood and elsewhere. Uh, I was in LA with my daughter, and these young kids were passing around Scientology books, you know, to try to recruit and such. And then my daughter, who at the time was 15, she read it on the plane, and she said at the beginning it sounded really cool, and then after that it just gets really dumb. You know? And and so the point is that when you are reading the text in translation, how do you find the prescription? You're reading every other text in translation as well. And you're looking for what is as comprehensive and makes the most sense. And then to make sure it's as objective as you can, if, you've believed you've, if you believe you've come up with something that can compare with the Quran, then you have to bring witnesses. And that will help make it objective rather than subjective. Maybe subjective, maybe I found something. 
And so why can't you bring Allah as a witness? Why he's can't putting I... the challenge, right? Well, I mean, it's even simpler than that. Why can't you bring Allah as a witness? Okay, Allah is always witnessing. Yeah, but even easier than that. How are you going to bring Allah as a witness? Are you going to say, okay, yeah, Allah, if I have fulfilled this prescription, hit me with lightning. You know, I mean, how are you, how are you going to make Allah witness in any way, in any capacity anyway? And this is, okay, so, so then I'll share something serious. And of course, because you all know the way I speak, it's going to sound like it's funny, but it's actually very serious. I had a student that was going through a manic episode. He was literally going through a psychotic break. And he believed he was part of the team of the Mahdi in the end of times. And he and I'd be on the phone with him. And he would say, okay, I'm going to prove it to you. I said, okay. And he said, and he gets in this loud voice and he says, if anything that I'm saying is false, may Allah strike me down now. So if he doesn't get struck down, that was his proof. And so and from a rational perspective, he was not in a rational state. You can't bring Allah as a witness. I mean, how would you, how would you do that? You know, Ya Allah, please don't change anything for the next one minute if, you, if what I'm doing is correct. And so, so, yeah, you can't even bring Allah as a witness. So you have to bring other people who uh, will bear witness. And if your issue is doubt... You're not going to be able to 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 find it if your issue is you know related to to what seems example if your issue is just to provide a counterclaim i'm here to show that you know that islam is fake um you can probably find 100 people that'll sign up with you to be witnesses but that issue is not doubt and so to make this point to really show how it's something very normal and this is the example that that shahir uh, uh mentioned is if we jump forward in the same surah, if we go to, it's around Ayah 260, somewhere around there. Let's say 250 to 265, might be Ayah 261. Yes, so Ayah 260. So this whole passage is really fascinating. Because it's all about people, it's all about bringing life to the dead, life to the dead, life to the dead. And then we have an example of Ibrahim, peace be upon him, asking Allah. So keep the setting in mind. Ibrahim alayhi salam, super prophet, is literally in a direct one-to-one conversation with Allah. So you would think super prophet does not need to have his heart satisfied. He's in direct conversation with Allah. So it's not like he's, you know, he's making dua, Allah, can you please answer this? He's literally talking to Allah, and then he is saying to Allah, can you show me how you give life to the dead? And then Allah says, obviously Allah knows the answer, do you not believe? Do you not have iman? Awalam tu'min. And he says, of course, bala, of course, or yes, it's like it's a negative, it's a positive answer, a negative question. Okay but I need to satisfy my heart. I need to satisfy my heart. This is the same word we spoke about in terms of the parts of the nafs. Nafs al-mutma'inna, the nafs that is seeking tranquility. So I need tranquility in my heart on this issue. 
And so then he gets this prescription, which is his prescription, different than ours. His prescription is that he's told, okay, take four birds, mash them all up and take that mashed up meat and put it on four different hills. And then in some narrations, you keep the heads. I mean, it's kind of kind of gross. I don't really feel like doing it myself. And then what happens is that all the birds came back to life and reformed. Now, if you believe in the Quran, then okay, that's not a stretch to believe in. If you have doubt, you can have an issue with that. But his prescription was the bird thing to satisfy his heart. Our prescription is more of an intellectual uh, journey. Not only to satisfy our heart, but to remove doubt. And so, so that is our prescription. So this is literally a medication for a spiritual illness that is doubt. So is it okay to have doubt? Yes. But related to Iqbal's point that uh, you would have to do something to treat it because it will persist, you know, literally like a, like a sickness. Okay. Now, finishing off this, this section, which we've already, we've already discussed these points. So I... 23 is the prescription. And then I 24 is saying, all right, when you realize you can't do it, when your heart has reached a point of satisfaction, then you should work to develop taqwa. You shield yourself, right? One of the hearts of the whole surah has been to find, to develop taqwa. And taqwa itself, we said, is a shield and to shield yourself against the fire whose fuel is men and stones. What are the stones that are the fuel of the fire? What are, uh, in terms of, if we read this literally or metaphorically, what do you think? Thinking back to the time of the prophet, peace be upon him. So, the yeah. heart, the heart, the people, the heart of the people that have become stones. Yeah, both of these. So the idols that the people were worshiping at the time, as well as, as the hardened hearts of, of people who did not, you know, uh, do treatment of, of their doubt, and then they fell into kufr. So they've been prepared for the rejectors of faith. And also, by the way, speaking in terms of the context of, of, of that era, we spoke about, you know, how the Quran is, is speaking to an audience that is fiercely patriarchal. Notice also that it's men that are, that are the fuel of fire. So can make all the women happy. In any case, the point here is that that is the prescription for doubt. And Chella, you're absolutely correct. Growth can occur after doubt. That if a person is willing to go through the process of trying to treat their doubt, then that means they actually want something. They want to have faith. And so it would follow that their faith is especially going to grow because it's something that they've been wanting. Any other questions, thoughts, reflections about any of this? So we've now had two commands, and then we've had these two conditional commands. Conditional command number one, if you have doubt, in fact, let me just write it all out. If you have doubt, then you have to go through this prescription. And then conditional command number two is once you've gone through the process, then, then, 
developed that block. What happens if you go through this process and you sincerely believe you found something that can compete with the Quran? Like you, you're using your full sincerity and you sincerely believe you found something and you have witnesses who also sincerely believe that they found something better than the Quran. Then why would you follow the Quran? So part of the point that's being made here is number one, if this is truly from God, then humans can't come up with something that can compete with it. If it's truly from God. But if you've come up with something that can compete with it, being so comprehensive and even add all the beauty, if you somehow hypothetically could, then inshallah, when you face God on the day of judgment, you have an argument to use. Yeah, I was completely sincere and I found something better. I'm saying it's not going to happen. Which I think, even, I mean, aside from the fact that the author is Allah, it's still a very, very entertainingly bold claim. Do it, but you're not going to find anything that's going to do it. But you have to go through the process to heal your heart. Alrighty. And so then we will, if there's no other questions, inshallah, we will stop right here. And, but then you're really trying to heal doubt. Well, I mean, so, so yeah, shout out to your question. Through the lens of the Quran, no, you weren't. But let's say hypothetically, someone as far as they could gather, them and their friends, are looking for the truth. And they're being as sincere as they possibly can in their search for the truth. Hypothetically, let's say they find this other thing, you know, that's been lost in history and they happen to stumble across it. And then, you know, hypothetically, uh, you know, that would be the answer. Does it, does it mean that uh, witnesses means that the, everyone who believes in Quran has to agree with you as well then? So that would be part of the point that if you have people who, would, who are believing in the supremacy of the Quran are looking at what you're offering. Yeah. And they're saying sincerely, you know, not this is a joke. Can tell, not <laughs> informed by trauma and not informed by other agenda, but sincerely, exactly. you know, of a sound, healthy heart. Then we're saying hypothetically, and that's what you follow. Because even think of the basic logic. Logic number one we said is that if this is from God, then no human can come up with it. But point number two is that if you can find something better, then why would you stick with something that is not as good? We're honest saying you're not going to be able to do it. And so, yeah, the secret of knowledge on the path to Allah, yeah, inshallah. All righty. So, tomorrow, inshallah, we're going to go to the third command. Have a fun exercise related to that, inshallah. Right. Any other last questions or thoughts? So the evangelist doubts, like how the, how they play the mind of uh, you know because lack of uh, people's understanding, uh, especially to the Muslim uh, 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 folks that they you know prey on. Mm -hmm. so what was the fundamental problem? There? What what is that something that they are latching onto it? Yeah. So so 
let's speak about like the sincere, sincere followers of, of Christianity. So within the evangelicals, there are those that are sincere and then those that are just want power. So we're not going to talk about the ones that are power hungry or, or white supremacists or anything like that. But, you know, for the sincere, what is it? It's a story that, that God gave his own son for me or that his own son has given his life for me, which is a very powerful story, isn't it? That, uh, that you know, that... Uh, you know, that, uh, you know, someone is giving their life for your well-being. We would say that, well, okay, what we find in the Quran is, okay, well, Allah didn't need to do that. Number one, you're not born with sin. And then on top of that, uh, Allah does not need to sacrifice his son, does not even need to have a son for you to be forgiven. He just needs to forgive you and then done. So at the core of every tradition, there is some powerful, potent, beautiful belief. And, and so in Judaism, part of it is this narrative that we are in exile from God because of our sins, and we can't come back to God until we straighten ourselves out as a community. Yeah, that's, that's, a, I think that's, that's wonderful. And in Buddhism, and I'm saying this in all sincerity, and in Buddhism, that the whole nature of this world is suffering. And your path to find a cure for healing is to appreciate that it is the nature of suffering, that this world is pain and suffering, and then how do you liberate yourself out of suffering? I mean, this is why these, this is why all these religions of the world survive for thousands of years, because those stories, those narratives give people meaning. And I think these are very, very strong, beautiful stories. We're saying that, okay, well, you know, I've already spoken about the part of forgiveness. And then on top of that, you know, it's so far beneath Allah to even have a son. And then in terms of, of the collective story, we don't believe in collective punishment. And this world is a world that contains suffering. But this world is also a world that contains joy. But everything that's happening in this world to you is by design for you to bring you closer to him. So that when you face him, inshallah, you're coming with the best version of you you can be. Yeah. Any other questions or thoughts? Alrighty. And then even if we get into like the 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 differences, for example, in terms of Protestant versus Christian versus uh, versus Catholic versus Orthodox, these are all still beautiful stories. In in Catholic tradition, there's much more focus on the suffering. Of Jesus for us and the Protestant is much more focused on the liberation of Jesus through his resurrection. But again, we're saying that stuff that, that didn't even need to happen. And we're also saying historically it didn't happen. Uh, Basit, were you about to say something? Yeah, can you repeat uh, that last thing that you uh, said just before that about uh, about uh, gosh, the, the last comment you made just before this. Okay. Um, I mean, I think the last thing I was talking about before, before Christianity was about, you know, what we're saying, how Islam is saying how the world works, is that everything that happens is by design from Allah for you, to you, with the purpose of making you grow to become the best version of you that you can be when you're facing Allah. Is that part? Yes, thank you.
And so we're saying everything in this world is purposeful, but this world has suffering and it has joy. And forgiveness is as easy for Allah to give us as it is for him to create the entire universe. Okay. Any other questions? And that's before even talking about the fact of the Prophet, peace be upon him, being the, the primary or the, the, the utmost of Rahmah for, for, for all of us. Already in a world of Rahmah, of like of the sun and the weather and all the things we saw yesterday, the sky and the earth and water and fruits. Okay, so we will continue, inshallah, tomorrow. Like I said, we will get into the third command. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika nashhadu illa ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika nashhadu illa ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika nashhadu illa ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk May Allah tell the word you all, inshallah and we will and may Allah also give you a successful remainder for Ramadan but we'll see you tomorrow, inshallah Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa